Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. I'm in New York City, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, New York City, where a tree grows. Uh, here's a scoop. I'm in Hari Kondabolu's uh, apartment because I'm going to house sit for him for a week. It's going to be awesome. And uh, he is my guest today. But let's do the credits. JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. These are the things uh, that you already know. Those are the websites. And it's on iTunes. Feel free to review it on iTunes. Give it five stars and that'll be fun. Uh, because supposedly iTunes cares. And I care. Uh, you can email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and then you'll know, then I'll respond to you. You get it. You know Rangers of the Dork Forest. You, you get it. Let me get to the credits. <laughs> Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio. And, um, then what happens? Vilmos fixes the website. And Mike Rickberg just sang that song you heard. He's going to sing again, the Mexican hat dance right there at the end. But right now, sitting across from me, Hari Kondabolu, we've, we've met. Yes, we have met. We have met, and now we're meeting again here in your house. in Portland, Oregon at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. That's right. Yes. The Bridgetown Comedy Festival 2006 or 9 or something like that. Yeah. We met at the arcade um, because we're all comedians and it's a comedians festival. They keep that arcade open in the afternoon so all the comedians can play. Right. It's an an old-timey arcade, too. It's with quarters and such. Yeah. Uh, If I remember correctly, they had Paperboy. For a while, I was I, ad- I was addicted Paper- to Paperboy. Nintendo, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and it was great because you could, you're like, all right, I'm right there. You go, toss a paper, toss a paper, toss. Oh, I just run into the bush, and uh, yeah, that that was a fun, uh, that was a fun time actually. Yeah, I had a really good time. I like Portland. Uh, let's get right to. Well, let's talk first of all about you came up to me because yeah. I distinctly remember you going, you got to work with Stuart Lee. Yeah, and I did, I did, and he's one, he's. My three favorite comics in the world. And of course, I have a dozen. We all have a dozen favorite sure. comics, but he's, he's up there when somebody says, and then nobody's ever heard of him anyway. Right. Uh, Stuart Lee, UK comic. I've mentioned him before on the program. I will be linking him. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. My new favorite joke of his that I saw on the interwebs was, um, was the one about the IRA versus the Al Qaeda. Oh, that's on the second DVD where you're mentioned. Oh, is that the one where I mentioned? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause, uh, I emailed him. <laughs> That is such a great bit that he, I saw him do that too on YouTube because I, I don't have his DVD. I want to have his DVDs. I should yeah. just get them. Yeah. But I'm staying in your house for a week, so I might just uh, watch them. Yeah. It's hilarious that you haven't seen all this because I just assume you've seen all the stuff. And I'm like, Cause, no, because you've no. worked with him and your colleagues. And it's, right. To me, I'm like, he's like my favorite comedian. Right. And yeah. you've been paying attention to him since you were a child. And so you're just like <laughs> three, four years ago. Right. <laughs> just a kid. And, but no, I mean, it's like, yeah, because I just emailed him and asked him how he was doing after that London tube hmm. bombing. And I guess I was one of many, but I yeah. think I was the first one he got, which is why he mentioned me. And, and we did spend four weeks on the road together right. in Australia, driving around, Six hours in the car. You're the first comic he mentions in that. In oh, the really? In a, the tour? Uh, in that, uh, in that, because he basically talks about all these comedians emailing him on seven seven. Oh, which, right. Which was the day of of the terrorist uh, attacks in London, and he did. Terrorists are numerologists. <laughs> that's convenient. <laughs> that's a very convenient. You'll remember that. And so, actually, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's good branding, good marketing, right? Good yeah. marketing on their part. Mm-hmm. But uh, never forget. But he uh, apparently got home late the night before from a gig and had slept in. And when he woke up, he got all these texts and emails from people on Seven Seven. He had he didn't know what had happened. Right, he hadn't heard the news yet. And he just said, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" Are you? Everybody's first... like, "Are you okay?" And he said, "I did have a hard year this year." <laughs> And it's so sweet that my friends, like, actually... How did you... Right. But it's, like, on the same day. And then he... Right. Yeah, it was amazing. But you're, you're the first comic he mentions in that string of Are You All Right? Oh, yeah. Because, um, yeah, I just... I love it because he's so... His cadence is so great in yeah. the fact that he's like, how did they know? <laughs> Am I okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> thanks thanks for asking. It was just a great, you know, he's so great. And... um. Yeah, going on the road with him. I did nine weeks on the road in Australia. Incredible. And the first four, it was like a week in Melbourne and then, or I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, half of it was with these very funny, very young 
Australian comics were the first four weeks mm. who to whom everything is funny. Every road sign must be riffed at. Yeah. Yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God love you. Uh, shut it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the second half of it was with Stuart Lee and David O'Doherty and, um, oh, Greg Fleet. He, he writes about this in the book. Fleety. Holy smokes. Fleety is a guy who, uh, had an an abuse thing in his, in his, in his stomach. Did he, does he mention that? I don't remember. He's a heroin addict, and mm. so he had an abuse inserted in, which is something I guess that's a like a like a tag yeah. in your stomach to make you not that heroin doesn't work. Right. Uh, so he would drink like a quart of Jack Daniels a day, <sighs> and and then perform each night as we all did and destroy. Right. Because Greg Fleet is an amazing comic. He does he does write about that. Yeah, yeah he's an amazing comic. He's yeah. a genuinely he's one of the great comics of the world, and um. But he's also a mess, yeah. and for some reason cannot get his get it together a little bit. But you know, it's it's a funny thing. I think, especially in the U.S., we talk about being road comics and traveling around the country, and there are international comics, and I mean that not just like comics from other countries, but there are comics who can perform all over the world, right? Which I, you're just starting to do, right? A or, little bit. I just, I mean, I've, I've performed in the U.K. and I've uh, I did this tour in india but yeah like, you know I, I realize in those situations that like wow like i this is a hard skill and you you can talk about comics well like are, is there material accessible everywhere and is that necessarily good but still to be able to do well everywhere is a skill yeah and it's a but it, i also think it's a learned skill that yeah. if you're a good comic i think you can figure it out like right. I, I have a friend of mine an old friend from from la named rachel Arieff who lives in spain and she moved to spain she got a divorce hmm. and she was like, I'm going to move to Spain and just picked Spain out of nowhere and, and has been living there for like 10 years, is remarried and is doing stand-up comedy in Spain. And I don't think she was – In English? I don't think she was fluent in Spanish when she went. Right. But she does she does a lot of expat kind of places. Sure. But it's also in Spanish. Hmm. Like she does it in both English and Spanish. So – But That's I think – it's See, it sounds – enormously like i've done stand-up you know for the troops overseas in the middle east and such like that and um and then and uh, there weren't a lot of saudis in the in the audience a lot right. of iraqis just hanging out going well i sort of get that thing about dogs right, right. and uh <laughs> but and then i just did the the australia run and then those i think i did do stand-up in london once but i was super new huh. and so i ate it so hard that it was actually hilarious. Where did you go up? Uh, in Leicester Square at the Comedy Store in okay. 1989. And you sl- you haven't performed since then? Not in London. That's remarkable. Yeah. Why? It's, why? Well, I don't know, because uh, I don't know how to get that work. I mean, I know that huh. there's a lot of work, and I think that it's not that hard to get that work. But I haven't gotten that work. Right, uh, right, right, right. It's a, uh, I'm busy doing Tucson. Right, anyway, right, right, right. It's, uh, I gotta go to Salt Lake City next month. Well, that's the thing, because the European comics, or especially, you know, the UK comics, like they have their whole country. They have uh, countries close by, you know. Like, yeah, they can go. There's plenty of work within a short country distance. Country is huge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause I'm doing, I'm doing, I think it's, Portland, Salt Lake City, and then Austin. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a nice run because it kind of goes in a in a curve. So but it's still 3,000 miles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? So it doesn't make any any sense. It's an interesting thing. Just, you were talking about your friend who lives in uh, in Spain. And like just switching between languages is a skill. Yeah. Like, there's like uh, Sugar Sammy in in, uh, in Canada. He, he does his shows in – because his first language, I believe, is French. French. Okay. But he does he does shows that are mixed with French, English, because he has a huge Indian audience, like Hindi and Punjabi. So it's like four languages get mixed together. And wow. It's it's amazing. Um, and then there's... Have you seen him do a long set? Yeah, I, in Dubai. I had a short film that screened in Dubai yeah? and, with a stand-up show, and he was one of the comics doing stand-up. So with a guy named uh, also Ron Jossel, who's Canadian, okay. and uh, Ronnie Khalil. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was impressive. I sure. Mean, like, I mean, just as a skill, you're kind of right. amazed that you can Right, you're kind of blown away. For, yeah. Wait, so people, if they want to see your stand-up, because I know you do a yeah. lot of colleges and you're doing plenty of clubs and stuff, but sure. you're a New York comic yeah, for the most part, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been traveling a lot the last few years. Right. Uh, which, but, yeah, I'm based but, here. And, this and is my is it harikondabolu.com? Yeah, okay. or, or harithecomic.com, because my last name sometimes is <laughs> <It's, it's> a... <laughs> yeah, H-A-R-I-thecomic.com, and it'll... 
And is are you on Twitter as well? Yeah, at okay. Harry the Comic. Okay, yeah. easy enough. Yeah. And I will link it in the notes. Thank you. There we go. And then people yeah. can follow you yeah. and go, hey, I'm following that guy. But uh, yeah, it's... So we were talking before because I just came from Seattle. Yes. How much you enjoy the city of I Seattle? Love that Why city. do you, you've? And it's not that I do not love yeah. the city of Seattle, even though I did lose my cell phone there oh. uh, four days ago. And well, somebody will find it and return it. Of course, because they're good people. It's Seattle. <laughs> um, it's my it's my favorite city, man. It's your favorite city. Yeah, I lived there for two years, and they were probably two of my happiest, most like. Because like, you grew up here, didn't I grew up you, here. in New York? I grew, up, I grew up in Queens, went to college in Maine. Uh, but Really? Yeah. Where in Maine? Uh, Brunswick, Bowdoin College. Okay. Like coastal Maine, yeah. Okay. Um, which was an adjustment, you can imagine, from I, Queens. Yeah, yeah, there's so. 11 people there. Right, right. <laughs> so. And I'm, I was the only brown one. And, uh, um, right, no. <laughs> it was, and was it some sort of liberal arts college? Yeah, it yeah. was a small liberal arts school. It's a great school, but it was just like that adjustment was hard. And my college roommate uh, from Bowdoin was from Seattle, and he always talked about how amazing Seattle was. And, okay. Um, you know, I didn't set out to be a stand-up. You know, when I, I did stand-up through college, but I didn't think it was a thing I could actually do. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I, and I I say that because you know like growing up here like I started like a little bit in New York and I would come home from breaks and um but you mostly started in Maine in college just like on campus wow I would be doing like forty five minutes or an hour on campus of terrible material but I was the only show in town so oh yeah yeah that is nice yeah it's like oh somebody else is talking right that isn't the guy that I'm related to right right right, right, right. <laughs> I mean it was it was it was like I mean. It's a like whenever I, I speak to like college students who want to stand up, but I'm like, start in your college. You have like a captive audience, and you're the only person doing it, and people right. will support you. So, I I learned how to write, and I learned how to perform. I didn't have enough examples, so I wasn't part of a scene. But right. at least, you know, I got to do that much time by myself. That's right, incredible. and so you were doing like some sort of campus club venues, or or, or... The, like theater, like the th- I, like, like theater, seat theater that was yeah. on campus, or I mean, it was like. It was cool. Like, I got to develop like that. But, you know, coming home to New York, I would, you know, I would get my head beaten in. Like, New York's right. status, especially when you're starting, is the hardest. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to bark. I didn't want to do bringer right. shows. I'm like, this right. isn't comedy. Like, right. I want to perform. I want to create stuff. Right. If you want to sell for a living, you might, you right. want to make, <laughs> make a living at it. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I tried to move to New York, uh, to do stand up comedy when I, cause I did stand up in college. Yeah. In 84, 85. And then. Where? At in Madison, Wisconsin, oh, Madison I went to must, University of Wisconsin. Though, yeah. yeah, and there was a club there owned by Sam Kinison's brother, huh. Bill Kinison, and um, it was open for eight months. And I could do stand up every single night because there was no one else. Right? Awesome. Yeah. It was me and five five guys, five yeah. or six guys, yeah. and we all did stand up every single night. And Sam, uh, Bill Kinison would ship in a comedy store comic from Los Angeles who had about three months of stand L.A. stand up under their belt. Because they would work for like two hundred dollars an yeah. airfare, yeah, and and a shitty apartment, yeah, in Madison, which is p- very possible. You can find a really <laughs> terrible apartment in Madison, Wisconsin, in nineteen eighty four, to uh, rent for a month, and um, and I did stand up almost every single night for eight months, and then the club burned down, and then I had to find it burnt. It burned down. Yeah, there was they weren't making any money. I'm not. I'm not implying anything, but they weren't making it burned, any. It burned down. It burned down. Yeah. Thank God it was insured, and <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but so then, which was good for my college career if I wanted a degree, which I wasn't certain I did. Right. But I got one yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh, it burned down, and I the one point eight that I got that semester turned into, uh, you know, a two point eight right, right. or a three. <laughs> What did I? I think I ended up graduating with like a a two point eight seven or something like that. You graduated. I graduated. Got myself a degree in political science, enabling me to shovel sand (laughs) anywhere in the world. Weirdly enough, uh, I studied political science and I did a twenty page paper on Gandhi. Misspelled Uh his name wrong the entire paper. How did you spell it? I put the H in the wrong place. With G H and D I. Yep. Wait, is it an alternate spelling? Because I've seen that. I well, I think uh, my professor was Indian, and he said. Uh, my friends were all when I came back to back uh, to the to the co-op where I lived. Yeah. Uh, my friends were all like, "Oh, I would have failed you. I would have completely because oh, he called me on it." And then he goes, "I'm not gonna, you know, it's a common thing that Americans do. Don't worry about it." Right, right, right. And but 20 pages of me supposedly doing some research on Gandhi <laughs> with a GH. Yeah, with the with the I've misspelling. seen both online, but I don't know if it's a typo or if it's. I it's. Know. I think it's just a really, really common error. Yeah, which is why the guy was like, mm, "That's weird." Because phonetically, right. it's. 
GA would be the obvious, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I have no idea. I think I just, well, it was all very foreign. Right. And right. I was like, let's just make it. Let's yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. And Or maybe I'd seen Ghibli or something. No, yeah. that's not true. That's an animation thing. What's Ghibli? It's, uh, it's the animation company that makes like Howl's Moving Castle and ah. Princess Mononoke. It's yeah. the it's the Japanese. Anyway. But um, I've digressed. I've taken us off on a, a an alternate dork forest path. Well, where were we when we left? We left off we're, in New York. We were in Seattle. Well, we were talking comedy starting out. Because right. trying to start in New York has got to be. It's awful. It's it's even uh-huh. worse than starting in L.A. Even though you, to some extent, you have better early role models. Yeah. Because the early role models go on the road more. Though in L.A., you can see the greatest comics in the world for free. Yeah. You know, you get a chance to go see Patton Oswalt and Mark Maron and P.F. Tom. Can you can you see them for free? Sure, certainly. I mean, there's so many great rooms, and I mean. Well, is it the boom of the last five or six years though, with the with the new alt rooms that maybe. are maybe? I mean, I those tiny rooms. That I don't know everybody... if I can because I don't know the scene well enough. When I, in, my, in my youth, stand up was the comedy cellar, and I would go watch comedy there with my friends. So that right. like the, I didn't know what the alt scene really was then. Yeah, you know, when I was eighteen or nineteen, I was just excited. Like I could see Marin, I could see Colin Quinn, and right, you know, Geraldo all in the right. same bill. It was but they were all like, but it's like got to be ten or twenty bucks to get in, right? It was yeah, it would be like ten bucks, but they used to do this thing which they might still do where it was like you pay the cover. No, 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 no. They had a two drink minimum, no cover. Okay, it, it was an online deal, so like all like the college kids would go to high school. Oh, you just had to two sodas, two sodas, two and then sodas. you're like, all right, twelve dollars. Yeah. I'm in. I'm done. The the similar can... to the Acme model. Oh yes, the Acme yes. model is an excellent model. Brilliant. It's a. Uh... It's Acme Comedy Company, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I think uh, Dork Force has heard me talk about Acme a boatload because I did t- I did uh, ten episodes when I was at their twentieth. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, because it was all headliners, so yeah, I could yeah, talk yeah. to like a thousand comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Kermit there? Kermit was there, nah. but Kermit had done a live show in Seattle. We had done a live show together. Yeah, yeah. It was my first live show. Kermit was great. in Seattle at um, at some sort of tiny theater in the round that was. It was like a public theater space. Of course it was. Why wouldn't it be? Right. And Seattle. But it was great because it was Ed Brubaker and Kermit Apio. What was this? It was when or where? Where? I can't remember. You remember the neighborhood? Uh, sort of by that spire thing. There you go. It's, it's, sort of, it's like a public theater. It's like a big brick. So yeah. one of my Seattle listeners who have attended that one, yeah, they probably know. Yeah, yeah. And then because I did two episodes that night, I did a Peter Bag episode, who's an alt comedy, mm. uh, an alt comic book uh, writer, okay. and then Ed Brubaker, who writes. I brought you that Incognito. Yes, I brought you that because uh, Baron Vaughn's been trying to buy that. Yeah, and so I found two comic book stores that had them, and I had ordered one from one, and the other one, I was like, oh, and I have an extra one. And but I'm a big pusher of all things Ed Brubaker, quite honestly. Well, I appreciate it. And then Incognito is is about supervillains who are in the witness protection program. <sighs> but it's it's film. It's like noir. Yeah. You know, so it's crime. Yeah. But it's a uh, supervillains, which is nice. But he also does straight crime stuff too. Yeah. And then he also wrote Captain America and and some other great superhero kind of stuff. If okay. you're into comic books at all. Again, I've digressed away from things <laughs> that you like. <laughs> To things that I like. No, it's good. I'm I'm learning. Right, yeah. right, and that's what I'm here for. I'm here to teach. What? Uh, where did you live in Seattle? Um, well, how I, I should tell you how I got there. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you do that? So I gave up on comedy when I graduated from college because I didn't think it would ever happen in New York, and so okay. uh, it wasn't like a, a thing I thought was realistic. Uh, I kept writing though, but just didn't have anywhere to put it. Um, got a job as an immigrant rights organizer in Seattle, which was like my other passion and okay. stuff I was and, and, and stand up was a hobby. Like it wasn't something I, I really took serious. I I took it seriously from the sense of I worked hard and I loved writing, but like right. I, it wasn't a path for me, I thought. I didn't seem possible. Right. You weren't thinking about it as no. such a thing. No, so I you just got loved a it. job job. Yeah. And it was a job I loved and I uh I did that and I and Seattle has a great scene, especially uh that time period I entered the scene. There's uh, there were a few clubs. 90s or this was no 2005 to 07. Okay, and there you know there's a comedy underground in Pioneer Square, which was my home club. Okay, and uh, very supportive. And the guy that there's two great managers, Ron Reed and mm-hmm. um, Carl Warmanhoven. Mm-hmm. Carl was the assistant manager, and he saw me at my first open mic and basically said, "Whenever you want to go up, I'll put you up." Oh, that's great. Which was like an incredible feeling of like I just started, and all of a sudden being told like. 
very supportive incredibly yeah. and so i was getting up on i think all those and... 45s that you got to do in college <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. it's like i i had like I, I was developing my voice like i knew how to perform but i didn't i was just starting to figure out what it is i wanted to say and how i wanted to say it right um, and so Seattle gave me this kind of, you know, because mine is a very, like, politicized voice. And, okay. And I didn't know how to, like, for a while in college, I'd switched from, like, doing really hacky kind of, my parents sound like this kind of stuff. Which oh, is right, like, right. You know, when you're 18, 19, you just want to make people laugh, and this was the easy thing. And I had a great joke in the beginning about how Batman and Robin might be gay <laughs> because of that pole. I'll be over here. And I had one, I had one of those... You know those those herpes uh, commercial things. Oh, sure. Like, uh, I want to have herpes. They seem like they're having a great time. They're mountain yeah. biking. It's oh like, my God. All right, when will they? Yeah. Same, same kind of. But you write yeah. what you write whatever you can initially. Yeah, yeah. And that's and, and that's not seen the world. And... We'll make fun of ourselves now, yeah. but I would never make fun of a new comic because you know you write yeah. whatever you can. It right. takes a couple of years to figure out. out. And then the more you read, the more you learn as you grow. So does your art, and and you watch more comedy live and recorded and. And, uh, yeah, and that's kind of, you know, I, I remember seeing Paul Mooney perform in Washington, D.C. in 2002 or 2003, and it changed my life seeing Paul Mooney perform. Like, this guy is saying everything that he felt like had to come out, and he didn't hold back, and he made people uncomfortable, yet he also made people laugh. And I remember laughing harder that night than I'd ever laughed before because I'd never heard somebody talk about race that way. And it was this cathartic feeling. And, yeah, yeah. And I was, um, I've never been in that much pain from laughter. Okay. And I went back to Maine, to, to school, to Bowdoin, and I basically wanted to do that, but I didn't know how to do yeah. it in my voice. So I basically was writing jokes as if I was Paul Mooney. Like, okay. So I was writing jokes as an older black man, which I wasn't. <laughs> and so there was this kind of rage that was not directed in a, direct, in a place that made sense. And I was trying to be political. Right, because it but... didn't come from, from your own place no, of was, rage. It was abstract <laughs> and I didn't know. And I forgot, like, I forgot how to write jokes. And then Seattle gave me the opportunity to, like, take these beliefs that I developed and all right. this reading I'd done and stuff that was really ingrained. And I was working in, in, in the world of activism and right. organizing. And I had all this stuff to draw from. And it taught me how to write a joke again. Because I was a good joke writer before yeah. this phase of trying to be this political th you know, thing on stage, this political person. And there's a way to say what you believe, which is supposed to be the goal, right? That's yeah. your voice. In a way that's still funny. It's a basic thing, but it's hard, right? And and you and it it's like worlds colliding to some extent because you're yeah. like, oh, I think I'm a joke writer, and then you see somebody doing something you really want to yeah, do, which yeah, is yeah. being super honest, yeah. And you're like, well, how do I fit my herpes joke into this <laughs> awesome experience well, which, I had when I was 11? And you drop the herpes joke, is what you? Yes, <laughs> you with, and the, for the love of God, you got to get Valtrex, rid of the, is that the name of it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get you get. I mean, and that's the scariest part too, is that if you have a herpes joke that works, yeah, and you're like. I need to let go. It's hard to let go of shitty jokes working. that work. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible joke. I'm going to stop doing it anyway because it's a terrible joke. And that's what – see, that was the thing. When I was in college, I used – I did half my really hacky, easy stuff that was making people laugh and sure. half this really aggressive political stuff that wasn't the funniest. But, like, maybe it was on point. Like, it was righteous, but it was like, right. self-righteous and not funny. So it was confusing for the audience. Like, what is he doing? Why is he going back and forth <laughs> with the treaties? And what I ended up doing is I made a short film called Manoj, M-A-N-O-J, about, like, like a hacky Indian comic, and I basically gave him all my old jokes. Oh, okay. And and in the film, I show up and kind of question him. It was me in a beard, like, <laughs> and me without a beard, and playing two guys. And and that I like was my that casting. That's good casting. Right. I like that. Two days in Seattle, and we got it done. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. Seattle gave me stage time, and it gave me an audience that was attentive and smart. And they really are. They oh, really. They're a wonderful audience. People. Gracious. I was, and I was there. I did that more theater um, for David Crow. Do yeah. you, you know David? Oh, of course I know David. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he's he's one of the smartest comics you know in the world. I think he's just a great, smart, yeah. fun, and. And and as he goes along, he's becoming sillier. Yeah. Like I got to see him do a couple of twenty minute sets this week, and yeah. uh, and he's just you know, he was wiggly, but it was silly and fun and smart. And it was good, and I really I've always really liked him. It was him, and it was um, Henry Phillips. Oh, I yep. I've, I've never seen Henry live. I've heard of Henry. Henry, yeah. he's, uh, he's a couple episodes ago. He was on the program with Isn't Mike he Furman. In Portland. No, 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 he's in L.A. It's, LA. it's uh, Henry okay. Phillips, and okay. I don't know where he. 
I actually don't know where, but he just did a, a web series called Henry's Kitchen. Okay. Where he set up his flip camera, like right around the corner of his kitchen, and he just stands there. And it's beautifully scored, as you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, it's just him not able to cook. It's called Henry's Kitchen, and it's really, it's a, a very tiny series yeah. on, on the web that is very funny. And then um, a guy named Ryan Singer. Ryan Singer, Wait, yeah, yeah, not yeah. Ryan Singer. Ryan Hamilton? Ryan Hamilton. Ryan Hamilton is, Ryan, is local, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he lives in, in New York now. Singer's from Cincinnati. Yeah, he? Singer's yeah. from somewhere else, and then there's a Ryan Stout. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So, San Francisco. Yeah, uh, I, got, I got a parade of Ryans in my head that are, unfortunately. Ryan Hamilton's great, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Hamilton. Very funny uh, bit about uh, uh, balloons, yeah. uh, taking a balloon ride. He was in the scene before I – he was a Seattle dude before I got there. Ryan I Hamilton, I believe, because he's so. an Idaho guy, and I think he is—he is a Seattle comic, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, either he started in Seattle or he did a competition. He has some connection to Seattle before, um, before I got there. Yeah, because yeah. I think a lot of these people that David books have some connection to the Seattle scene. Yeah, it's it's a great scene for comedy. Great scene. I came at this wonderful time when like there there were the clubs, but there was the beginning of this alt scene. They like these comics who started all these rooms and. Uh, a, a thing called the People's Republic of Comedy. Oh, I which, vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which four comics, you know, my friends Emmett Montgomery, Kevin Hyder, Dan Carroll, and Scott Moran. And they kind of, uh, Scott joined a little later, but the four of them really made this thing the alt, you know, big alt scene. And um, the city, we had like, our big show was Laugh Hole, which at the time was every Wednesday. And it was like exciting. <laughs> laugh Hole. <laughs> laugh Hole. Made me laugh. And we had these incredible audiences that would come to in a little theater space. And we had all these little rooms that were attached where people work out stuff. And it, w it was wonderful. Like, it really – I mean, and there's still a great scene now. But th there, during that period of time, the comics that came out of that that period were strong. And we kind of encouraged each other. It's like uh, each other, like um, like Scott Moran or Andy Peters. Right. And uh, – Yeah. Oh, God. There's a lot of uh, – David Cope. Um, there's a ton of comics who didn't like Rory Scovel. Rory didn't actually start in Seattle, okay? But Rory used to because he's blowing up. He's doing great. Yeah, yeah. Rory used to because our, our friend Andy Haynes is also great. Andy oh, right. started there, and Andy went to him. DC, and then whenever he'd bring Rory back to Seattle, when Andy would come back, like, um, Rory just blew us away, and he we'd watch Rory do sets. Of, is like, Rory doing a State Farm commercial right now? Where he's, <laughs> I, he's I a, don't know. Is he? Is he he's blonde with a beard. He's part of the bearded youth movement, right? Is and, uh, I, it's, I think it's a light beard. I don't think he's, he's going. He, he's it's it's kind not, of reddish blonde, and, and I don't think it's a full canane. But, and um, no, no, not a full canane, not a full. Um, you know, when canane shaved his beard and his hair. No, no, I didn't. He's I haven't old, seen he's him recently. 2007 canane. I saw a picture on Twitter. It blew my mind. It's uh, uh, you know, I remember when uh, Zach Galifianakis did that when you when he first grew his beard. Well. Yeah, I, I remember him before he grew his beard. Then yeah. he grew his beard, yeah. and then I remember he shaved it off once. And uh, Jackie Cation, not always the most politic person. I'm. Uh, I said, "Oh, you look so much nicer." Oh, oh hey, Grandma, <laughs> why don't you shut it? Uh, it's his face; he can do whatever he yeah, wants yeah, yeah. with it. And then, of course, with the beard, he blows up. Yeah. So, the beard can get you work these days. I you mean, should grow a beard, huh? My friend Edmund, I I could. Well, I. The reason I don't... You have a fantastic mustache going. Thank you very yeah, much. Very uh, nice. This is my India mustache. Is that your in, India yeah, mustache? Yeah, I grew it when I was there. And then I get there and I realize nobody... You know, like, nobody you know, else has. Nobody else has mustache anymore. It's <laughs> our parents' generation. It was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but it's it's funny. Like, I, I could grow a beard, but, like, that Minoj character has a beard. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't... Even though nobody... Like, like 30,000 people have seen it. Right. That's not enough that's to justify it. Like, not, nobody's going to... Not ever having... Mm. So, but... For some reason, I have this weird block. I don't want to be that guy in any way. I got to um, find the Minoj thing and link it because people yeah, should you, see the Minoj. It's, it's good. It's great. Yeah. So, it's so you just went to to India recently. Yeah. To visit family or um, to do sex? for the tour. It was funny. I'd never performed in India. And then uh, the U.S. Um, embassy, I guess, was in India. Was they usually bring music and they want yeah. to bring stand up? So it was me, Rajiv Satyal, who's an L.A. comic, and Azar Usman, who's a Chicago guy. And uh, Azar and Rajiv have this um, tour called Make China at War, and they got asked to do bring Aww. it, and they decided that they wanted me to, to come along, which is very sweet of them. That is very sweet. So I got to perform throughout the country. and Throughout the country? How yeah, long was the tour? Eight, it was seven official dates and one we added on in like New Delhi, but like- um, Did it was, you get to do any tourist stuff? A little bit, not too much. I was yeah. kind of like focused on writing and performing and- the cities I really wanted to hang out in, we didn't spend that much time in. Like, what oh, cities? Uh, Calcutta. Oh, yeah. Calcutta is amazing. Well, Calcutta, it's weird because when I was there, it's like a city that's like very literate and people like hang out apparently in coffee shops all day. And 
That is um, my favorite. I want to hang out in It's basically shops. Seattle. The way people <laughs> described it was Seattle. So I'm like, I'm in Seattle right now. Oh, it's going to be Everyone's great. Everyone's selling books and talking about books and things <laughs> they've read. I'm like, I know this. This is going to be great. And people are like, yeah, this is a city where people come with ambition and they and then they just, you know, drink a lot of coffee. They fall in love, get married and settle down. I'm like, this is Seattle. It's Seattle. It's Seattle. <laughs> I think of it more of an Alexandria. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, that's awesome. That's uh, yeah, because one of the great things about that Australia tour yeah. and they would love you in Australia, that you Melbourne so? Comedy Festival. Yeah, you should yeah, do that. I would love to. And um, the what I really liked about what the festival did was that they scheduled in tourist stuff yeah where we got to see the great barrier reef and we did a day trip out and go snorkeling in the in the great barrier reef we we over in perth outside of perth we climbed into like 400 foot tall eucalyptus trees and saw koalas eating eucalyptus trees leaves <laughs> and uh by the way i don't want to be 400 feet up in the air right, ever. Right, right. not not really and uh but it was amazing and i did it because you know how many times is that gonna happen right, so right, you right. go but um yeah so that was it was nice I like doing the tour. Like, I've done a couple of those military tours, and the first time, granted, we went to Iraq. Right. So there's not a lot of – I because – and the second time, I the I, two tours I've gone on with this guy, Vargas Mason, who's mm. a great guy. He's yeah. a really great guy. He's an incredible marketer. He's a fun comic. And the first thing he said is, I want – I'm doing a thing in Puerto Rico. Will you come with me to Puerto Rico? And I said, I will – and it was only a weekend, mm. three days, mm. fly there, do a show. Hang out for two days, I think more, and then fly home. Like four mm. days total, maybe. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, and he said, no, no, you got to come. And I was like, I will come if you get me off the base and get me a cafe con leche. Because <laughs> I need to have local coffee. Yeah. If I'm going somewhere, oh, yeah. I need to go into town once, right? And so when we went to Africa, I went with him to the Middle East. and uh, which, which countries? Uh, we went to Djibouti. Yeah. And then we went to Oman yeah. and Kuwait and yeah. Saudi Arabia. And we were supposed to go to Afghanistan, but they killed Bin Laden. And they were like, mm, not mm, just yet. Right. And so uh, – but Vargas got hurt day two. Doing what? Uh, but the dog suit with the bite uh, – we got to put the bite suits on for the dogs. Huh. They said, you guys want to get taken down by the dogs? Why, and Why would you say yes? Oh, I love dogs. Uh, no, I went first. <laughs> I totally – there's a video on YouTube. I love and, dogs, but I don't like when they bite me. There's, I know it, but you're like wearing a 40-pound bite suit. And I don't accelerate well anyway, so I knew I wasn't going to outrun a dog, right? Yeah. So, And there's an episode – I will link to the episode where I had Vargas on explaining because he broke his kneecap. He ripped his patella tendon. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was terrible. It was it was hilarious now. How about that? I mean, part of why I like this job is that the possibility of getting hurt is so small. It is pretty – and there's very little heavy lifting. That's no. one of the things I like you about it. You don't worry about like, you know, because if you're in front of the computer all day, but, you know, the carpal tunnel. Sure, and, sure. Maybe maybe your eyesight. Um, the, the, every now and then getting attacked by an audience member. It's rare, but It is happen. rare. Sometimes but, uh, you have to get a walk to the to the car. You know, la- lack of circulation because you're flying all day. Right. You got to get up and move. Tra- trains or bus. Yeah. I mean, other than that, really <laughs> – uh, poor eating habits. There's poor those, eating habits. Yeah, yeah, there's sure. a choice chance of diabetes. Yeah, but things um, like that. Right. Not not things. Well, not the, dog bite. Right. But when you go like to somewhere exotic, when yeah. you go to Calcutta, yeah. like if you had been offered, like you were in Dubai, where did yeah. you get to go to that the tallest building in the world? I saw. We, I did go to uh, the the mall. Was it the mall of the Emirates? Is it the, where the, the indoor ski resort is? Oh, really? Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. It indoor. Was, Snow skiing. Well, it's inc- well, it's a resort. So, like, you actually can stay in the resort that's in the mall, which is kind of absurd because, like, there's a glass that separates the resort and the skiing stuff and the snow stuff from the mall. So I can see people skiing while drinking coffee, and they can see me drinking coffee because there's a mall. Wow! It's like it totally breaks reality. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the. That's surreal. That's yeah, everyone, just weird. Nobody has a snow suit, so they have to rent them. But they're all the same color suit. They're all these weird blue, blue suits. So everyone's that, that's that's like a, prison jumpsuits. Yes, yeah, so they're. <laughs> it's a bizarre thing because it's like if you actually went skiing, no, everyone's not wearing the same thing. There's no. a little swatch sign. There's a fake backdrop. <laughs> like the whole thing is absurd. It is absurd. You yeah. might as. I mean, if you could build that, why can't you just fly to Sun Valley or Vail or well, whatever? Well, you know, it's a funny thing. I was asking about just the history of Dubai and how come it became as big as it had. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's in a bit of a decline now because of the global economy. But especially after 9-11, a lot of these like rich like Arab folks had trouble when they were flying to different countries. They had money to spend, but they would get right. profiled and all that. So all of a sudden, Dubai, they can, they can just 
it's closer. It they can do whatever they it's want. Theirs. They have money. Right. They, they, they don't want to go skiing. Judged. They need, yeah. No, no bullshit. They can just deal. They could live the life they want to live. They don't need to be hassled, and right. they can spend their money. Right. And that's what they want to do. These are rich folks who want to spend their money. Right. Yeah. You know, in Kuwait, it was funny because we would drive by. It'd be like abandoned Escalades on the side of the road. Abandoned. And, yeah. And you'd be like, "Why is that abandoned?" And granted. These some one of the guys that told me this is a bullethead, so he might not have been the most liberal guy in the world. Right. Who just saying, well, these guys are animals. No, he didn't say that, but yeah. I mean, he just essentially he said there is so much money in Kuwait yeah. that sometimes they just go, well, I'll just buy a new one. Wait, but why so would they'll you just leave like, it on the side of the road because it ran, ran out, out of gas? gas or it broke down or not gas because gas is something like twenty five cents a gallon because <laughs> right, gallon right. is super super cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gases and um. And then the other, and, and they don't work, and everybody yeah. in Kuwait, the only people that are citizens in Kuwait yeah. are, you have to be related to the royalty. Right. So there's only 1.5 or 800,000 people that are actual Kuwaiti citizens. And then there's another 700,000 like Filipinos that are doing all the work. Well, Dubai was the same kind of thing. I mean, yeah. that was part of the surreal nature of it is well again like the uh the workers have limited rights and right. there were things it's a lot of indian and like south asian like sri lanka and maybe pakistani workers as well who are like building the buildings and yeah. you had a lot of the people who were working as maids or in the hotels were were filipino um, right yeah and yeah. and and indonesian and, right, and malaysian yeah. and all of that so it's this really bizarre kind of like watching south asian workers take a break and play cricket like what? Well, it's like the, the like old colonialism, new colonialism. Right, like it's a bizarre right. kind of thing. Or like they would have because it's a Muslim country, but they would make certain, um, they would take some liberties. Like you know, like you could. I had pork in okay. the hotel. Stuff oh, like interesting. That. Or they had a Christmas tree, but they didn't call it a Christmas tree at the Mall of the Emirates. They called it a holiday tree. Okay, but it was a Christmas tree. Right. And it was. It was the very traditional pine tree, giant pine tree yeah. with ornaments on yeah, it. Just no Jesus stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I heard caroling, so I went downstairs to see where the caroling was com- coming from, and I saw all these these elves, and the elves were Filipino and Indian workers dressed as elves <laughs> caroling, and and this is like this is happening right now. And then I'm like, well, where's Santa? Wow. And then Santa comes out, and then Santa is a out. white. Dude. Dude. Santa's a white dude. A thin white dude. They imported a thin white dude to play Santa because the key part of that was the white dude. But the elves, it's like this weird like racial hierarchy with the right. Santa elves thing. And I'm watching it in Dubai and I'm like, this is my mind blown. My mind is, yeah. And with all of your immigrant, like, ans- like, like you're, you know a lot about immigration stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I'm going to call it, too. Immigration <laughs> okay. stuff. You, Do I, you know. You know, you know about how you do trouble with people. Uh, <laughs> now, are your parents immigrants? Yeah. Indian immigrants. Yeah, and my grandparents are immigrants. And from, um, from where? Oh, uh, my my father's parents are from Armenia. Yeah. Well, Turkey. Right. Okay. <laughs> march, yeah, yeah, yeah. march, 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 march. Lebanon, <laughs> Greece. Hey, America. Yeah. And then, uh, and then <laughs> that's how you just went over all that. <laughs> yeah. March, 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 march. Oh, he's hey, dead. Man. Let's keep going. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's where it gets ugly. And then, uh, and then the other side uh, from Ireland and Norway. Yeah. So my my, my mother's parents were from Ireland and Norway. Yeah. So um, the the weird thing is, it's hilarious about immigrant immigrants though, because you know I live in in. In Los Angeles, and there's so many Armenians there, oh, yeah. and they're all new Armenians. What's the neighborhood? Uh, Every, well, Glendale has Glendale, a lot. Glendale, yeah. yeah, it's a small, it's a city, and it's. Uh, though I don't think it's in LA. I think it's its own thing. But yeah. whatever it is, but they always say things. But there's Armenians everywhere. Like I live. I mean, you can't go at, like the bank. Yeah. You, the the guy who just towed my car to the mechanic who is also Armenian. Who uh, and then you go to the bakery, and then it's an Armenian. I mean, it's there's so many Armenians. It's eerie. Yeah. It'd be and and a lot of them are angry. Angry, huh. angry. But those but that's all immigrants. All immigrants, they aren't angry. They're just frustrated because it's hard to immigrate to a country yeah. where you don't speak the language. Yeah. And nobody comes on purpose. Like if things were going well at home, you would stay there, right? I mean, you're chased. That's why you're going. You're running from something, unless you're black and then you were dragged. Right, right, right. I mean, those are your choices, really. I mean, it's like my, you got to give everybody a generation or two. My parents, saying. like for example, they aren't they aren't angry, but they're definitely <clears throat> they're tired. Right, right, right. That it 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 isn't. Yeah, it isn't anger. I don't yeah. think it's frustration and yeah. it's and it's ex- exhaustion because you're trying to communicate. You're, I mean, like right now, that's what I think about those people in Kuwait. You know, yeah. you know, just like 
there's no one in the Philippines right now saying to themselves, I'm a dentist here, but what I really want to do is wash clothes for right, a living right, anywhere. Right, right, right. You know? Well, I mean, that's the most interesting thing. Like, if you talk to cab drivers um, in, uh, oh, in New York, yeah. my God, people have the most interesting stories, whether they're like, you know, white folks who like grew up here and they're from like the old generation or if, or if they're like immigrants, like they Brand always new. have the most interesting stories of how they got here. You know, I've met people who are professors and like uh, who, who are doctors and like have these incredible like educations and stories and they ended up here and things didn't work out or they're happy they're here because they wanted their kids to be here for whatever reason. Right. But right. it was it, there's always an incredible story. That's why it always bothers me when you get these like one dimensional views of cab drivers, immigrant cab drivers and like television movies. I'm like. You're like paying this guy in such a boring way that his accent's the only thing interesting about him. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have been, I've had some of the most interesting conversations in my life with cab drivers. Right. Because well, they've, they've met so many people and they've seen so many things and they've traveled from far away. Right. Right. And, you know, like in, uh, in Minneapolis, a lot of the cab drivers are from the Sudan right. and Ethiopia. The and big those Somali guys, community too. And Somali. Yeah. yeah. And they're Somali. And, they're from like these terrible, terrible childhoods yeah. where all of a sudden they're, they're psyched, you know? And then there's certain stereotypes that go along with it. Like the Somalis and the Ethiopians, they love a lot of sugar in their coffee. My and parents so, have a lot of sugar in our, in our coffee. It's too. nice. It's nice. It's, it's sweet. It's, but it's funny too because like, uh, it's because like in, in, in the, a lot of the Dunkin' Donuts in, uh, yeah. in New York, they're like Indian, they're Indian run. Right. And so like I'll have, coffee and i'm like there's so much sugar in this coffee <laughs> and part of me is like are you just assuming this is my taste yeah because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, this is ridiculous yeah. and i can't say well one american sugar yeah yeah but you can't say that but it's like this is ridiculous i, I have to just specify like just one spoon i used to um, work at a chinese restaurant in minneapolis yeah. and um it was amazing like the the chinese and vietnamese waiters yeah. would just say to people yeah yeah, Americans don't like that. You're not gonna like that, and uh, you, you know, don't eat, don't do it. It is ridiculous, it is ridiculous. It and it's people, there's yeah. a Thai restaurant by my house in L.A. that I we go to, and we ordered this thing that looked fascinating. Yeah, and it said super spicy, and it was yeah. a raw blue crab salad. Whoa, doesn't that sound weird? Yeah. So we order it, and the woman just looked at me, and she was like, "Yeah, usually, usually white people, you're not gonna, I." You do what you, you want, have to pay for this. Yeah. And, and uh, Andy, my husband, goes, uh, we promised to pay for it, and we promised to uh, do our darndest, but make it mild. Make it mild. And it came, and it was so hot. Yeah. And uh, we choked it down, but it was ridiculous. And But, it, you know, I mean, there's that's the great thing about the United States is that you can have anything, and you can meet yeah. everybody, and everybody's oh, super it's a, weird and interesting. It's It's when people talk about, like – uh, you know, we don't want immigrants to come here. It's always an amazing thing to me. And it's like, how boring are you? Right. Exactly. Like, this is <laughs> like, it, it, where do you live? Because it's usually in places that are kind of landlocked. I'm like, there's nothing here. Right. Like, it's just, it's but just. This, but you go and you're, I, you're talking Panera to some woman. Panera Bread is the big accomplishment in town. Yeah. But if even if you talk to some crazy woman from Dallas, like I did the other morning, yeah. I, I was at a, I was at a Hilton, a friend of mine uh, went to visit. She's a bartender at the Hilton. And there was in Los Angeles, there were three people sitting at the bar who were at in L.A. for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Yeah, yeah. With some of the great overhearings of the world where this one woman goes, well, usually I sing, you know, country music and, of course, gospel at church. But I did sing – they had a, had me singing Judas Priest last night and I could do it. I could just do it. And so I was talking to her and I was like, what's it like? Because I've never been to an adult camp. Right. The only camp I've ever wanted to go to, spa camp. <laughs> uh, I want to go to spa camp. I wouldn't mind going to horse camp. Right. Uh, but uh, but so at one point she – they caught the underwear bomber when I was sitting there talking to her. Oh, right, right, Or right, they right. sentenced him or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she made some cr- – I talked to her and I said, so where are you from? She said, Dallas. And she said – and then we're talking about something else. And in the middle of it, she goes, you know what I'd do with that guy? And mm-hmm. I was like, do I want to know? And, You're uh, a comic. You want to know. Huh? Uh, do I? I <laughs> well, the, the, my, my thing is I said that to her because I don't want to know because I don't want to have a horrible belief. Oh, you actually said, do I, do I want to know? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, do, do I? Are you sure? I want to know. And she goes, I say he wants to blow himself up in his underpants. Let's take him out to a field and blow up that bomb with him. And I said, really? The rest of us are working on a different kind of Christianity. And, uh, cause she was wearing a giant cross and she goes, what? And I said, rest of us are working on some, uh, 
some forgiveness. Not you, not so much. Okay. You know, whenever the, 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 there are Christians who are pro like capital punishment, I'm like, you remember yeah. what happened to Jesus, right? <laughs> right. It was capital punishment. Remember, it was a disappointment like, they, to us all. They said yeah. he was doing something they didn't like. So they killed him. Yeah. Remember how that works? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a happy <sighs> Jesus follower myself. I, I prefer the, I prefer the nice man in the picture. I love that Hicks joke. You know that Hicks joke? Yeah. The one where he talks about, hey, buddy, I didn't appreciate what you said. I'm a Christian. I don't appreciate what you said. And he's yeah. like, are you a Christian? Then forgive me. <laughs> it's like, per- oh, oh, yes. Hicks. Bill Hicks. Yeah. That's not being in, spending time in London. It's yeah. Like, oh my God, he's still loved. He's still oh, revered. He's weirdly still- revered. Because, you know, I, I was on an international flight and I did, they have a comedy channel comedy albums yeah yeah and it was the essential bill hicks and it was 52 tracks Ugh. and i had never heard any bill hicks there's there's gaping holes like i've never seen bill cosby himself huh. uh I, I haven't either which a thousand yeah. yeah i mean people are like what and when i first started doing comedy i'd never heard of lenny bruce yeah, yeah and so i you know you know when somebody says you have to listen to all of it and it's like you should see inception man it's the best movie ever but it's been hyped up too much yeah yeah and or he's been hacked so bad like i i just heard a couple of years ago richard pryor stuff it's hard to hear pryor now without context because so many people have ripped him off he's just i was like yeah. wait those those kings of comedy seem to have been doing something in a prior like way. Well, it's and- well it's hard. Well, I mean it's funny too just because Stuart Lee like recently has has talked about his frustration with people taking pieces of his style. Okay. And and Oh, really? Yeah, like and like what are they what not his timing. Some some of it with how he speaks, some of it with like going into an audience the way he he's been doing and some of it i mean because the thing with Stuart, it's hard to steal his material i think because it's so him and because he doesn't go for the short joke he goes for the longer piece and he, right. he makes more sense in an hour right that's why he's brilliant yeah and, um, it's amazing that he's on television in the uk it's, i it's, love that oh, God, i fact, love well, that well it's funny because his third specialty talks about like not getting the thing that he was offered from, from the bbc and then then he gets it and it's incredible right. it's, it's like perfect <gasps> And, uh, but he talks about like, you know, people, um, you know, kind of mimicking. And I see too, a lot of young comics are doing things that he does sure. with his tone or the way they, little things because he's so distinct. And on one hand, it's like, that has to be very frustrating. On the other hand, like, it's hard. To, you're that influential and important. Right. They're like, what do you do? And we're all influenced by different, different people. I guess the difference is that it's not like he's super rich and famous. So when right. people are, taking little things from him intentionally or unintentionally because it's a very addictive style you know when you see hear enough of him i think it's like well no you're his feelings you're taking money out of my me and my family right because right. i'm working and this is what i do but right it's, it's it is ha- it's very hard it's hard and it's and people say things like well you should be flattered by it and it's almost yeah. impossible to be yeah. flattered by it but it's it's almost impossible like, if you can figure out a way to just not be angry about it, it would be good. Just because it's a, you know, it's addictive, obviously. Yeah. When, when you see people doing, when I've, when I've done shows with Todd Glass and Jimmy Pardo, yeah, either yeah. one of them or yeah. both of them, which is even worse. Yeah. I do, I have their timing when I go on stage and I can't get, it's, it's like Brody Stevens to some extent where you end up. Or it, Hannibal, Jesus. Hannibal, Hannibal has oh, an, Hannibal. has a very, Hannibal Burris has an so amazing, distinct, yeah. distinct Right. And so you just end up doing it and you're like, oh, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But like when I, I remember when I first saw Dana Gould yeah. and I saw him probably in 94 and it was the first time I, and I'd seen a lot of great comedy before. I've seen a lot of great comedy since, but it was the first time I saw someone doing something that I said to myself, yeah, that's what I want to do. I kind of want to, but I mean, from my perspective, if I can, you know, I want to do it. I want to talk about my family. I want to talk about my the insanity yeah, yeah. of my world. And he was inspiring that. And so if you can get over their timing, if you can get over yeah. their, whatever you've essentially stolen or, yeah. or influenced you is a better way to put it, I guess. But I mean, I mean, in that, that is a big difference, like inspiration versus like flat out taking yeah. an idea or a, a tone or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was always the issue with like Hicks and Leary, right? Like the guy, like, oh, he, right, right. like whether it's material or like that was Hicks's tone, that was the way he would deliver things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's truly, it's very, 
it's it's very hard because but think about this like for so many years he wasn't getting audiences and 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 finding his his niche because like people didn't know what the hell he was doing like, right. what is it that you're <laughs> why are you choosing to perform in such a manner and now right. he's like earned his following and he's yep. gotten this thing and now it's like you're taking from me not yet not yet it's i'm not like, i'm not done yet I'm not done yet right it's still working oh my god we were in perth and he does he does that joke about um the 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 jesus preacher who comes to the door and says, Jesus is the answer. I know this, keep on. Uh, do you, what is the question? And then he says something, he says a bunch of things. There are like four or five lines or six lines of, and there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of celebration of the silence. Yeah. And he says stuff like, is the question, what sandal was very popular in the early 70s? <laughs> the blank sandal. And, the, and then the preacher says, no. And Stuart Lee says, can I guess again? And the guy goes, yes. And he says, is the, is the question, what band from Chicago, the blank and Mary chain? No, that is not the, <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on like that. And we're in Perth and he did a couple of them. And there was a guy in the audience who just yelled out, get to it, mate. And Stuart just stares at him and he goes, you know, usually I do about five or six of these, but for you, 10. <laughs> and he just went on and on. Hey, that's what he does so too. great i mean he loves repetition he loves drawing things out and and i love the thing that i've i feel like i've really tried to do and i've learned from him is like he leaves these moments in his um set whether it's a bit that he's done to death written he tries to leave certain parts loose so it's like new adjectives each time it, he, he's forced to improvise certain parts has he said that He's written about it and, okay. um, and and done interviews about it, and that so, sort of like somewhere in the middle of the bit, he likes to keep it loose just in case something new comes in. Or? Yeah, it c- comes into his head, and the, there's the risk of like you don't pick the adjectives that kill that day. Oh right, and if you do, it's great because then all of a sudden you know when you do a new part of anything or a new joke, everything else comes to life around it because you're right. excited again. So he intentionally leaves that open so that energy is there, and also like you, it, it sounds fresh to the audience. They know when you're like in your head, like what is he going to come up with? What is he going to come up yeah, with? Yeah. You know, yeah, and. uh that's that's brilliant. That's such yeah. a because he is such a tight writer. The fact he does that is so smart. Yeah, that that sounds terrifying to me. Yeah, it's terrifying because uh, <laughs> like it's like you want to you want a surefire tested bit. This works. Right, this is a joke. I know it, and it's like he's intentionally leaving a part that for a joke that could work perfectly fine if you just pick right. the adjectives that always right. work. And yeah. it's just it's hard. It's gutsy stuff because I'll, I'll do new bits. I'll do a whole new chunk in the middle of my set, yeah, which is sure, fine. Sure. But uh, if I have a joke that, that works, works. Yeah. the stuff that works, I'm like, dude, I put that in the vault. It's all done. It's all done He's... right there. Why don't we bring that out and then we can all admire that? And plus, you know how they are uh, in the in the UK, the comics, they're like a new hour every year. Oh, I know it. Incredible. I know it. You did, you did uh, that, that new Faces kind of Edinburgh thing? Yeah, Comedy Zone. I mean, I was only doing 20s, but like it was incredible to me. Like, wait, so you just uh, – you guys those. Yeah, because it was like a showcase, and they try to showcase like Avalon does it. Like they're my managers here, and then they're, okay. they're big out in London, so they have this thing where they showcase their new talent that they want, right, right. you know, feature or whatever. And I, you know, I've done it for a bit, but like I guess I'm an American, and they want to see how I do it. Yeah, it, it went well. But what was great not only was performing, but to see people do you know hours, right, you know, how they right, do it there. And and how long were you in Edinburgh? Because that, that's a month-long festival, Yeah, right? I was there all month. Oh, were you? I was there. I saw – oh, my God. I mean, I saw Stuart twice. I saw Stuart perform on consecutive days. And it was incredible because he was doing the same thing. But, like, the right. joke sounded different because the audience reacted different. So he'd have, like, if the joke didn't work, this is how I'm going to respond if the joke does work. Oh, like, okay. Just kind of <laughs> – or, like, new takes on stuff. And he was working it out still, working out his hour – his hour this year is about how he doesn't have an hour because he had his <laughs> second kid and he's like oh, so busy wow. being a father that like he can't like he he doesn't have any life experience. So when you have nothing to write about, what are you going to write about? So he's writing about like how he has how he nothing to write know. about. Oh my but god! But it's still his so style. Meta. Yeah, he's oh god, he's brilliant. It's just that's awesome. The I hour that him I saw every him time to to come like when are you coming to the states? When are you coming to the states? Yeah, but he has two little kids. There's Everybody's, no way he wants to. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, why don't you get a vacation? Though? Why don't you? Uh, what? Why don't I guess you're gonna wait until they're eight and five and take them to Disneyland? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, I asked him like if you take a vacation, just a couple of shows, and he's yeah. like, I'm not gonna. And he basically said an answer, which a man like Stuart would say. He's like, I'm not going to do that to my family. Well, <laughs> you know what? It's probably for the I've, – I've met any number of comics who were like, yeah, one of the things that came up in our divorce is that we went on our honeymoon and I did sets. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be that. No I don't one wants be to that. be that. Oh, God. We, we went to Italy for our honeymoon, my husband and I. Yeah. And uh, 
<laughs> and I was like, well, we could write it off if I picked up. And he was like, really? And I said, let me take that back. No, we're never writing it off. It's fine. How and do you explain that you're sick? My job is that I'm sick and my and job, my job lets me be sick. It, and, and it encourages me to be sick. And how could <sighs> I just see if the Italians give a shit about this joke? Uh, it's no, so weird. no, no one needs to hear we those jokes when up. I'm traveling. We need to go up. We yeah. need to. It's true. Um, so what do you, um, what do you recommend? I mean, we've mm. talked a lot about comedy. We've talked yes. a little bit about Seattle. Seattle's a great city. I love it. <laughs> I like that you were like, uh, no, I'm actually a Seattle dork. We could talk about Seattle. It's fine. <laughs> I, I love, I love it. We, I, I, I'm weird about it. Like I bring it up all the time. I, when, if a woman says she's from Seattle, I'm just automatically more interested. <laughs> it's bizarre, but it's true. Like I just, what about I love... the rest of Washington? Walla yeah, Walla? Yeah, sure. Is there sure, yeah. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Okay. Olivia, sure, but Seattle. It's Did just... you do any biking? Was there any no. sort of uh, sporting events happening? Was there some I, swimming? Uh, Did you go to Puget Sound? Was, Did you meet uh, Ursula Le Guin? I went to coffee shops, the wide variety of coffee shops. Uh, I did a show for David Crow where we had uh, to take one of those uh, those those planes that land on the water. Oh, yeah. yeah out yeah. to Puget, out to Orcas Island yeah, or yeah. something. Did you show Orcas to, Island? Yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah. Did you Have you been to Orcas? No, no. I went to Bainbridge Island. Okay. Was, so what is that in the sound as well? I Yeah, I think so. Because it's super gorgeous. It's, they're Seattle people, and, and it's funny because if I'm wrong, and yeah. Seattle people are like, they're you yelling. love Seattle? And you're like, don't, you don't Which, even know. Why don't you know the you, names of all the You island. need to understand, like, it's different for me. Like, I I grew up in uh, New York, and right. I don't appreciate nature. I refer to things as nature because I don't know. <laughs> Mountains, trees, you right. know, nature. I don't nature. Really I, it's it, Queens. Only recently have I figured out where the sound is, where Lake Washington is. I lived there for a couple of years. I go back every two or three months. I okay. still don't know where anything is. I hang out with my friends. You go there I'm, every two or three months? I'm obsessed with that city. That's it. When I need to work on new material, like I will just go for a stretch. When I first moved to New York, I, you know, even with TV credits, I couldn't get stage time. So Whoa. I would go to Seattle or San Francisco for weeks at a time to work on new stuff. Wow. I, I go to Seattle. I'll do a week or two. I'll come back with 15 new minutes. It's incredible. I booked a small theater, uh, $5 like tickets or something like that. Yeah. It's like a 50 seater. I, I, three shows, they sold out in a couple of days and nice. I got, and I got to work out like an hour of new stuff oh, and, and that audience on a Monday and Tuesday night at seven and nine o'clock and they forgive me. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a city that lets me be the best I can be and learn. And they feel like they're supportive, like yeah. they're supporting what, cause they are they're supporting what I'm doing and what I'm planning to do. So that's my city. Like that's, I can, that's I, awesome. I love that city. Yeah. And they, get, I don't know why they just get it. Yeah. They get what I'm trying to do. I feel like when I do new stuff here, I get so beaten down and tired sometimes. Right. Because of the judgment or. I can stretch. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what it is. I, I feel like in New York, people are like, prove it. Prove it. And it's like, it's new. It's I new. can't prove it yet. It's new. Too soon. Too soon for it to be Just proven. Be supportive. Allow me to say it out loud a couple of times and then I think it'll be good. If we all have a good time, I'll, it'll be faster. It'll get better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, I just saw Jim Gaffigan eight minutes ago, though. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah but Jim Gaffigan's everywhere. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan's like God. He <laughs> he is everywhere. He's in every room waiting to do eight minutes. Another eight minutes about another piece of food that he's eaten. He's work, I, He's the hardest working. He's dude. the hardest working guy in the world. And I, the last time I was here was two years ago in New York, and I I I did three shows with him. He did three different eight minute chunks <laughs> on three <laughs> different food products. It was awesome. He I was is like, <laughs> incredible. Did you hear he's doing the Louis C.K. thing? Where well, he's putting thing? out his hour-long uh, new special yeah. on YouTube, and yeah. it'll be $5. Incredible. That's smart. And then he's yeah. going to donate a dollar of every $5 and to um, some sort of veterans, uh, help them uh, get over PSSTD or whatever. He's a, he's, a, he's a really good dude, and he's a, he's a craftsman. Like, he is a craftsman. You know, he did that benefit. I saw a set of his on TV, some yeah. benefit for something. Yeah. It might have been a natural disaster, whatever it was, but it was a yeah. ten minute bit about McDonald's. Okay. And um Oh the McDonald's bit's good. Yeah, the McDonald's bit is good. Yeah, it's yeah, about yeah, how yeah. he likes McDonald's and then the silence he goes, I hear your voices inside going, I didn't know I was better than him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but he does this long bit about McDonald's that is a celebration of McDonald's. There's right? also the McDonald's of a thing, isn't that part of yeah, it goes into a McDonald's of a thing, but it could be the best ad for McDonald's ever. Yeah. But at the very, very end of this bit, yeah. he does a Ronald McDonald pedophile joke. <laughs> I believe without any information yeah. be, so that McDonald's will not hire him. He's like, I don't want to do an ad for you people. So that Mc Ronald McDonald's pedophile joke, see that joke? 
his integrity. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's like, and I don't want to actually sell your thing. Just let me eat an occasional sausage McMuffin. Well, the Hot egg. Pockets thing has been interesting for him because the, I guess they wanted some kind of endorsement or something. Yeah. And he, like, he's not really down for that. So apparently, like, the Hot Pockets people, like, will go to his shows and, like, give out coupons or free Hot Pockets. And, like, even though he... He's, he's not he, interested. He's right. Not and he's probably not even doing that bit anymore. And apparently, like, I heard a story, like, recently he was doing the bit and he was, like, making fun of Hot Pockets because <laughs> they were, like, they basically yeah. did what he didn't want to do. Like, I said, no, I do not want to be sponsored by it. I don't want to do this. Right. Right. I yeah. do not need corporate sponsorship at this time. He doesn't. He's fine. He's fine. It turns out he's not living check to check, no. that guy. He's going to, it's, it's all right. He's so, uh, But he's such hard, a great he comic. Hard. He yeah. works. He works. He, here's the thing. You know, when you start doing stand up, you basically want to go up in every room possible, right? Yeah. And when you have access to every room possible, it's wonderful. But then you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to work every room. I'm on TV all the time. I do this. Mm. I do that. I'm not going to work every room. I'm not going to do every open mic. Right. Even though when you start, that's all you want is like, how that's come they it? won't let me into this room? How come I can't do this? Jim Gaffigan actually cashes in on the hope. Right. Like you hope <laughs> to be able to work every room and now he can, so he does. So he shows the heck up. Yeah. yeah. Like that I worked guy's... to get on this open mic in front of eight people. Right. I couldn't get on this open mic in eight people ten years ago. Now I can. You know, I, I, I can just show up sometimes at open mics. I don't even put my name in. I could just get a work in right there, right there. Do you know where I can do that? Wait, yeah. Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> I can go to any exactly. room in Seattle and they'll just put me up because it's me. All right. I love that city so much. Because they love you. They, they love, love you. me and I love it's them. It's reciprocity, man. They're you so love them. Good. I could probably just go to a coffee shop and do 10 minutes. People don't even know there's a show. Up. I could just stand on a table. I'd get away with it probably. In Maybe. LA, there's a lot of that happening. You know, uh, no coffee shop shows? Uh, just, I did a show and I didn't know that it was the first night of the show. And my friend who had booked me to do this show, yeah. she called me yeah. like two hours before it and said, hey, you know what? I'm actually not in town. Can you run this room tonight? And I was like, what? And she said, it's the first night. And I was like, wait, what? And she says, the first night of this room, it, they've never had comedy here before. They're having you run the first night of a room yeah. they started. Yeah. And so I get there and I was, and she said, the bartender knows it'll be fine. And so I show up and the bartender's like, yeah, yeah, I got some stuff. Yeah, we'll hook you up. And so he starts setting it up and I said, what about these people? Do these people know that there's going to be comedy here in 20 minutes? No. And he goes, no. And so I started going table to table to table and saying, you know how you thought you were going out to dinner? <laughs> you know what's going to happen in about 10 minutes? There's going to be comedy. And it's going to be on fun. You're a date. Right. This right. is your first date. Right. It was You're West trying to listen to each other to learn about each other to see if this is a waste of both your time. Right, right. This and is you know a match. It will be. It yeah. will be a waste of I'm both sorry. your time. We're going to drive you out in at least oh. two sets later. And then two of the other comics were, you know, they were just okay. They were fine, but they were like the kind of people that, that wanted to talk to the audience no. members that didn't even want to know that there was – if they just went to the vault and did their jokes – then maybe everyone would have well, stayed. Especially in that situation where the audience doesn't necessarily want to be there and yes. they don't want to be included because they didn't come to a comedy show. You came to them. Yep. <laughs> so when you do that show in Seattle, remember that. Yeah. Not that not whenever people say to me, Are you gonna are you gonna make fun of me? Don't make fun of me. And I was like, No, no, my self absorption is complete. Yeah. <laughs> I have jokes to tell. This I don't know. About you. It this genuinely isn't. isn't. I hope you enjoy it. It's a conversation, it's a monologue. <laughs> We're pretending it's a conversation, but it's a monologue. It is. And you know what I usually ask people, but what do you, what, what do you like to read? I, I love book suggestions. Oh, do you do it? Or website suggestions or magazine well, suggestions? I like to read. Um, I feel like my default is always Vonnegut. Oh, really? Always Vonnegut. That's I like, just read Galapagos. I haven't read Galapagos. I yeah? have not read it um, before. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, uh, again, another cheerful dystopian future. <laughs> <laughs> His last um, book that apparently he was working on was like like proper novel, but not like a book of essays. was. Right. Uh, was about the lead character was going to be a stand-up comic, and he, oh, really? he, he dropped the idea. Yeah. Oh. But I I wonder if there was something he started writing if they'd ever released or something. I just he was ah uh, he's incredible. Have you have you seen Twain uh, seen uh, Twain tonight? Mark Twain tonight? No. The Hal Holbrook. Um, oh the oh the the three part uh, Hal Holbrook thing. Is it three part? I thought that? it was a a, a three act. He's I, I saw Holbrook within... doing Mark Twain. Yeah, that's what you're talking yeah, about, yeah, right? yeah. It's 
honestly the uh, among the best stand up shows I've ever seen. Even though it's not stand up, it was yeah. basically stand up because Twain's writing is basically like punchline setup stories. Very much so. So he, Hal Holbrook has all his Twain memorized. Yeah. And when he started, he had to wear like a white wig and like a mustache, and there was no recordings of Twain. Suit. So whenever you see Twain impersonators, they're doing an impression of Hal Bro- uh, Hal, Hal Holbrook's impression of Twain. That's right. And so Hal Holbrook now he's been doing it so long, and he's so old now that he doesn't need to get the wig or the powder. He's he just, can just sit there and he just wears the suit and he's ready right. to go <laughs> and i saw him in seattle at the more do theater, it live do it live and in half empty more theater in seattle which was depressing because he was brilliant and the thing with twain is twain is so prolific and and so in so many ways just he understood human nature right where Hal holbrook tailored the show to make sense for the time period. he didn't change any of the writing right but we were in the middle of two wars. He was going to do Twain's war stuff. He okay. was going to do Twain's stuff about religion and the nature of government. He was going to do stuff so it sounds like Twain is responding to things oh that were happening God. in the current Are there situation. recordings of these? There's t- he's had albums out. There has to be a thousand recordings it, of this. Mark Twain Tonight is brilliant. And it's funny because I tell stand-ups, like, this is... This yeah. is some of the best stand-up you've ever seen. And yeah. when people think Twain, they don't understand. They're like, oh, yeah, Huckleberry Finn. No. No. Twain was an incredible writer, and he was a comic, even though he wasn't a comic. Yeah, his essays are hilarious. Yes. And, and Punches I haven't, all out. I haven't read enough Mark Twain to, you know, be definitive, of course, or or not, or not, even close. But but I love everything that I've read of his. Twain it's, and Vonnegut were – they were comics, even though they weren't comics. They yeah. wrote like comics. You didn't happen to see Dana Gould dressed as Dr. Zayas doing Hal Holbrook doing Mark Twain. No. You? Where is a recording? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, there's it's online. It's a, it's a video. He just did it at Sketchfest, at God San Francisco Sketchfest. The levels that he – full makeup of Dr. Zayas. Uh, at doing, doing Holbrook doing Twain? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I gotta see that. That's so. How we many we can bring get it up that? next. How many people would even understand uh, the that? entire room that he did it to did? God. Because uh, I lost my tiny lizard mind. Uh, jo- that, you know that John room, Hodgman introduced him. That room that night for him was like his Seattle. <laughs> That's what that room was. To Ladies him. and gentlemen, it's Hari Kondabolu. <laughs> you Seattle. have you should all go to Seattle. Is what we is what we've learned here, and uh, I was just in Seattle. I'm going to Portland next month, and w- where can people see you do stand up comedy? Let's see, um, I'm going to be uh, March. I'm, I'm taping a set for the new John Oliver stand up show. Excellent. And that's in the middle of March. Uh, I'm doing st- this. Is not going to go out for a couple of weeks. I right, imagine, it'll be a couple right? of weeks. Yep. I don't know when my next big. I'm, but I'm, but if people go to harrythecomic. Yeah, dot com, I'll be updating. I'm doing some shows in Atlanta in June, and then uh, I'm headlining the Punchline San Francisco in May. Um, Fun Tuesday, I think. And okay. So and uh, yeah, so, and I'll be in Seattle again probably sometime. Are you doing well, a split so. week, or are you just going to headline that one night? Uh, I think I'm headlining at, at night, and I'm, I'm, the schedule right now is me headlining a Tuesday and then featuring for Will Durst over the weekend. Oh, that my should be fun. G- 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 He's from Milwaukee. Is oh, I didn't know this. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh, the, I'm doing a split week with uh, with Eddie Pepitone in at the Punchline in San Francisco, which will be amazing. But when is he, when is your split? Uh, uh, I think it's in uh, it's either in March or April. Okay. And um, great room. JackieCajun.com, people, knock yourselves out. Um, That's a great room, Jackie. The it punch. is a great room. Uh. The punch is great. Um, I also like that Throckmorton. Do you ever done that I out? I wanted Nova to for so long. I've never had a chance to. But Mark like uh, Dana Carvey shows up, just shows up. Uh, Mort, Mort Saul was there last Robin time I was Williams. there. Yep, Robin Williams yeah, was there the time before. The, with Smothers, Tommy Smothers sometimes. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Mort Saul was there. Yeah. And uh, you know who I want to show up? Dick Cavett. Does Dick Cavett live in that area? No, no, but I always want Dick. I want, I want Dick Cavett to show Dick Cavett is my Seattle. Uh, <laughs> I want Dick Cavett to show up now. And. Uh, yeah, so I was Har- so nervous when I was in Edinburgh that Stuart Lee was going to show up at my comedy zone because I was scared to death. I'm still scared because he asked me once when uh, I've, I've seen him like three or four times, right? And I told him I'm doing this half hour special. Like I, I did a presents last year, yep. and, was, and uh, he's like, "Well, when it comes out, send me some clips." I'm like, "Oh yeah, definitely." No, I'm not. Not a chance. I'm not sending. Him Hope it all clips. works out. Why don't you do some research? And I'm scared. If it's he hard to like push it, break my stuff on. Yeah, you feel. Like, he's what if you don't he's like a it? great comic, people. You should. Brilliant. We should all pull 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 together and send both of his kids to college so yes. that he can come over here. Yes, keep buying his stuff. Thank you for listening, Rangers. You're doing vital work out there. Take care of each other. Good night. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?